Welcome to Discussions of Music, Healing, and Consciousness with your hosts Chris Noble and Bill Perotzman. In today's episode, we're talking about how to choose the best music to use for any particular purpose. We investigate the contribution that belief plays in choosing your functional music, how listening in a supportive environment can enhance the experience, the importance of experimenting with different styles and genres of music, and how the lost art of singing all contribute to healing. We imagine a future in which performers get real-time feedback from audiences, and how amazing a virtual reality healing concert could be. And Chris discusses how he is tailoring his online concerts to anticipate that future. We'll be talking about all that and much, much more, as always, in these open conversations here on Discussions of Music, Healing, and Consciousness. Have you had people ask you this question before? Oh, yeah, all the time. Uh, What's the best music to use for X, right? Whatever it is. Uh, 50 ways to leave your lover. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, or more practically, I'm sure you get asked, right? Like, what's what's the best music for PTSD, for stress and anxiety relief? Things like that, too, I I can imagine, right? And, you know, people have been choosing music for long. Like, what's the best music to use for worship in church? Or what's the best music for, you know, a marching band? Or you're programming a concert. What do I choose, right? That that kind of context, too. Mm -hmm. But often people are like, you know, I'm sad. I need some happy music. What do you use? Right. So it's like prescribing, prescribing music in a sense. Yeah, it is. And, And, okay, so full disclosure here, over somewhere in the Netherlands, I think, uh, the government, the health department of the government got together and decided to make prescription music. Seriously. And right. they, they hired a bunch of musicians. They involved a bunch of scientists. They, they composed this music. With, you know, I can imagine what a collaborative composition might sound like. Mm-hmm. But they did the thing, and, uh, and they came up with their uh, official healing music. And you can get it with a prescription in, I guess they give you a a CD or something these days over in the Netherlands at a a drugstore, right? So you go to the pharmacy with your prescription for healing music and you get the music. Wow. And um, this is, this has moved to the United States. I spoke to a woman ages ago on a podcast who was bringing it to Florida, right? Prescription music. And uh, so I, I know that's out there. And there's a company called Advanced Brain Therapy or something like that, Advanced Brain Technologies, that also has music that's been developed with a specific purpose uh, to you know, change the brain, basically to improve the brain. And um, you can get it from them. And uh, I know there are other people out there, tons of composers who have music for any given purpose, you know, happy music, sad music, whatever. You can go on Spotify or anywhere you search for music and find you know, music for a mood or, or even music for a purpose, like music to work by or think by. Yep. So, uh, you know, it's a thing Raise, ranging from, you know, the very big deal government supported, you know, correct music to people just winging it and picking whatever songs they like. So I, it's a good topic. I, a good question, really. It's a great question, you know, and, and it obviously depends on what you're trying to use it for, uh, obviously. And it depends on the person, you know, I think it depends on the individual as well. Like, like you've noticed a lot, Bill, right? Where when you're working with some of your clients and, and people uh, to help them find the right music for them, it, it really is, it really depends on the individual as well. So I think part of the answer is like, we'll give some suggestions to you listeners today 
Um, however, I, I really do believe that it's, it's all, you gotta, you gotta use your own inner compass and your own inner kind of guidance to, to, to tell you what's also going to work. You, you can use your feelings to really sense this. If, if a piece of music, even though it clinically says, if it's doing all these really awesome things, and if it just doesn't feel kind of new, maybe neutral to you or just not that great, maybe try something else because it does depend on the, the individual as well. I would imagine, right? Well, I, I think there's science that can support that. Uh, one of the things that always is curious to me is it's been a very long time now, but the music therapists who uh, answer this question, and you can get to a page, we should probably share that in the show notes, on the American Music Therapy Association website. There's a, a whole long, I mean, it's probably seven pages long of how to use music uh, for listening. What's the music you should choose? What, what volume? Blah, 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 all this stuff. But it, the thing that I wanted to bring up here is it boils down to a very interesting scientific fact that the most powerful music for you is the music you love. So if you already have a connection to the music, it's going to be more powerful than somebody cruising in from outside and saying, well, this is the scientifically best music for your problem, Bill, and listen to this. And I might put it on and hate it, which, you know, how can you have healing when you're resisting healing? You know, that, that's sort of like the question here. So it, I'm always fascinated when scientists develop music and say, this is the right music for you. When the actual science says that the music you love is the most powerful music. <laughs> it's, it's a bit of paradoxical <laughs> to say the it least. It is. Isn't that interesting? And, and, and I feel that there's, there's validity to both sides because. Yes, it's, I, a, it's a both and. It, that it's it's it really is, and that's the interesting thing. So for the listeners, you know, we've talked um, our first episode that you can find is literally all about binaural beats, and we talk about the science behind this and how. And my personal experience, time and time again, has been when I use binaural beats, which is essentially a form of brain entrainment. It's one frequency in one ear, a different frequency in the other ear. It creates an interference pattern. It shifts your your brain state. It shifts it from one state to another depending on what you want to go, want to go for. And it, I find that really works. The binaural beats really do help shift me, shift the listeners that listen to my binaural beats. And it, it gets you into that different state of consciousness. Uh, I find a lot quicker and a lot more effectively. But depending on what else is going on in that binaural beat piece, it might not be to your taste musically. So you might find another binaural piece that's going to be far more effective. And it's the same binaural beat but the music around it's a little different and that music's just going to be more your cup of tea, more your, your jam. And, uh, and then that's, what's going to work well for you. So it's funny, the science behind binaural beats is pretty, pretty sound, uh, and pretty kind of just is what it is. It, it really does seem to work. And, uh, and there you go. But then on the flip side is it also matters what kind of music you're listening to. So it's like these, these, when they're saying this prescri prescribed music, I'm sure it has all these healing frequencies and all these things that we've just been mentioning. But at the same time, it's like, so it's not that it doesn't work. It does work. But if you don't like the music, it's not going to work as well. Yeah, <laughs> In a way, it puts right? A barrier. It puts yeah. a barrier. Interesting. This is one of the reasons, I mean, we're, we're supposed to be talking about something other than binaural beats, but I love the binaural beat apps that let you have the beat, but overlay that with music that you like. Yeah. You know, um, and 
that opens up a whole different can of worms because what if you're trying to do something to slow you down with binaural beats, but the music that you choose is like pick me up music. Right. And that can be, you know, working at cross purposes, but it is one of those things where you're not going to hurt yourself unless you turn it up too loud. You know, you're not gonna hurt yourself. So go ahead and play with it mm-hmm. and see what works for you. Um, th- this idea that, um, uh, we can choose, we can predict the right music for you is, I think, a fairly recent evolution of scientific endeavor. Back in the day, people would be healed listening to music. And that would just be like, you know, they were playing the healing music in the temple that day and you went in and the monks were all chanting, whatever, and that was the thing. And it worked for you and that was your culture. And so it all, you know, it just kind of blended together. Mm -hmm. We do that here, go to church. Christian worship music is, it's, it's a thing, right? It's a genre. Oh yeah. And people that go expect a certain kind of result from that. And so there we are. And I wonder oftentimes if like, is the science necessary in order to enhance people's belief in the power of the music is the religious setting for the music necessary in order for people to enhance their belief in the power of the music. And it's an interesting question because I don't know if you can measure that. Definitely not, but it's, that's a great thing to bring up, Bill, because now I'm thinking, well, for those who are, I mean, you gotta, we also got to recognize that science in a sense is a lot, a lot of other people's new religion. Um, people that aren't religious basically use science to gauge what reality is and how to navigate reality and their life just like we use religion to sort of navigate the same you know yeah, to, those amb- to reinforce a belief set or something you know, it's like- to reinforce a belief set it's the same same purpose same idea just you're just using a different ideology in a sense and mm-hmm. science being the the modern kind of new religion and not that it is but it it is in a sense where people's because science changes we got to remember that everything we view as scientific fact today could not be a fact 100 years from now and so that shifts and changes. So it, it, you know, it comes down to a belief more than anything. And if people, if it helps people believe that they will be healed by listening to binaural beats because of the science, then, then that's, what's going to work through that. Right. right? Then that's because gonna you're going to believe in it. Then that's what will work. If you're more religious and you want to be in a more of a worship setting, and then you want to listen to more like Gregorian chant, choral music, or something that's, different but has the same effect same science perhaps but then in a religious setting because if that's more comfortable for you that's more um that's more for your belief systems then that will work better and and i we got to remember we know this through quantum mechanics it's all about the observer it's about the individual the individual and we know this with the placebo effect too the individual plays a massive role in the experience whether it's healing whether it's um well like we use healing as the example and, and, you know, so if, if that person is, let's say, a religious person and they're only getting the scientific side of it, it might not really resonate and it probably won't have as large of a result for them. Just as, you know, if the people are more scientific and then they're getting only the religious side, they're not going to really be open to that. So they're not going to receive nearly as much healing from that either. So bottom line I'm seeing now is like, I think you have to package it, so to speak, to the right, to the person's preferences, to the individual's yeah preferences at the end of the day right it's the only yeah, way exactly because if you don't believe it's going to work man 
we've seen so many incredible examples of that now over the years where if you if you believe something it really will actually have a much better chance of working than if you don't yeah like intention matters right it's 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 everything actually it's it's incredible you know it and, is the you know with effect. all due respect to science here but the fascinating thing about music and science right now is all related to our brain our head brain mm -hmm. there's work being done on the heart brain by heart math but neuroscience generally speaking uh, is about what's happening up in the head brain and right. that's only a small part of us and if you look at it sort of objectively the head brain is sort of there to respond to its environment it's not much of a director the direction comes from some aspects of our brain stem but the cerebellum is getting stuff late the cerebral cortex processes stuff at way after the fact you know in in brain time yeah uh, the amygdala is responded 100 times later, we start to think about what the amygdala did, right? Mm. So the brain science on all this is, is very curious to me, but I don't think that science is really fully informing us about the effects of music yet. They can measure how music changes, you know, our, the brain waves, gamma, delta, alpha, right. all of that, and that's great. But what about the rest of the body? What's going on, you know, in the vagus nerve? Mm. Uh, you know, it, there are other aspects that that science simply cannot measure at all, like the spiritual aspects we've talked about before. How, you know, how does this music uh, change your level of compassion, your level of empathy? And the neuroscientists can guess, like if we do a certain brainwave, that's where it correlates to empathy. And you know, and okay, well, that's fine, but you know, <laughs> is, is that causative or is it just something you're observing? Right. Right. So um, we've got a ways to go. And, and in, in one sense, it's kind of like, you know, when you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. <laughs> and that's fine. But we got to remember, we're only about 20 years in on this neuroscience and music thing. And there's a lot more to go. And as great as we are right now, um, this is a long way of saying, if you're not feeling it on the music that science says is the right thing for you, that's totally cool. Yeah. Like, look for other music. Yep. Or, um, I mean, the simple way that I go about saying this, which doesn't have anything to do with science, except that it acknowledges music is powerful if you love it, is choose music you love, right? Make a good choice, and then use it on purpose. Don't mm -hmm. just play it in the background. Bring it up in the foreground and actually engage with that and be fully, like, in the concert, be in the moment on that, and see what happens to you. I'll, which, is, I'll use, which is a really crazy thing, right? Because you're going to go to a concert, it's going to be new music you've never heard before, and you're going to like, well, how do I engage with this, right? I've never heard this stuff before, right? I'm hearing Chris play this. It's improvised. Nobody's ever going to hear it again. It's a, it's, a, it's a moment in time, and you know, I don't want to miss that. Well, that's engaging your intention, right? And, mm -hmm. and your love for the music that you've never heard before is all about bringing your intention to it. You do that, yeah. you're opening yourself up, and then it's powerful. Mm. so uh, isn't this crazy there isn't a, a quick answer here <laughs> no that's <laughs> why know? it's a good it's a good discussion you know I, it's a good conversation right i i liken that to uh, i remember hearing um i saw this and this is a great example of of location fused with music as well so for those listening to you know you can take it one step further when you're, you're trying to prescribe music to yourself and listen to not only what sounds good for you Listen to it in an environment that feels good for you. So, for example, I experienced, oh, my God, just such. <laughs> in 2019, I went to Spain and uh, I was experiencing some beautiful flamenco classical guitar in 
an old Gothic cathedral. So you can just imagine the acoustics in this, this room. Now we were in a smaller chapel, still gorgeous and stunning, sacred geometry. Again, you know that the uh, acoustics in these buildings were built with very much the intention to have the listeners uplifted to the, to the sounds that are created within the space. And so I was there and very, very present watching this brilliant uh, Pedro Javier Gonzalez, um, amazing guitar player perform. Never heard any of the music before, but it was exactly what I wanted and needed to hear. And it's, it really sent me to, to many places, inward, outward, um, a very therapeutic healing journey that it took me through. And, and not just that, but just it was fun and exciting and invigorating and great example of not knowing what the music's going to be and still having it. I think presence is very important, being in that moment present. And of course, I knew ahead of time, I already knew I love flamenco guitar. So I knew that obviously was going to work for me. And he was one of the best players, you know, in the, in the country, actually. So obviously, it was, you know, you can set yourself up for success, right? But yeah, then to, yeah. to, to add in the, the Gothic Cathedral as the location, now we're, now we're even talking a new level of, of expansion and healing that is experienced when you bring in more elements than just the music too, which is something to consider. Maybe it's about presence. And Probably. music is one component. But if you, if you give yourself enough of a reason to be fully present, you know, the cathedral, the environment, um, you know, the, the expert musician, all of these things can lessen the chances <laughs> of, of something going wrong. Yeah. You know, you want to maximize the experience, right? Which is yeah. why we have these giant concert halls and, and yeah. why we go to stadiums to hear a huge band, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but all of that's like part of it. Put on the headset, you can listen to the same music and it might not affect you at all in the same way. As so it did true. when you were there live. It, you know, it's, and it's interesting too, because I am like right now I'm doing these online concerts that are taking people on a musical healing journey. And the reason that I feel really good about doing them online versus in person, I'll totally do them in person as well. But the online, there's two main reasons why I started to understand. I was like, actually, this is a great thing to offer, particularly online. One is that you're going to use headphones. And as we both know with headphones, you can now experience binaural beats. And if you're at a live right. show, it isn't as easy necessarily to incorporate headphones into the performance. It's been done, but it's a lot more elaborate. Um, and so this way, we can, one, experience binaural beats. But then, two, what I, I also started to understand, this is important for the listeners um, to understand, too, is like when it's an online show, it gives people a lot more of a ability to be in a very safe, comfortable place. When you're at a show, which is its own beautiful thing, you're in a new environment, which is awesome, which has its own benefits as well. But when you're at home and you're in your bedroom or you're somewhere that's very, very safe, you can also, when you're listening to this music, whether it's my, my concerts, whether it's these prescribed pieces, whether it's Bill's beautiful piano playing, whatever the heck it is, you know, you're in your own safe space. And therefore, if you feel the tears coming, you can let them out. If you feel the laughter, sometimes we experience laughter as a way of releasing energy, let that come. Sometimes it's, I mean, it's a million different ways. Our bodies will yawn yeah. profusely or, or, or will like burp even like the craziest ways our bodies just will release this stuff. This way you're in a safe space to kind of do that and not feel judged. 
So I think yeah. that's also really important is to be able to put yourself into a place that you can also just really let the music almost like wash you out or rinse you out or detox you and let whatever your body's response is going to be just to be that. And so when you're alone at home, great place to, to do that in a safe, you know, non-judgmental space. This is so important. I've, you know, I grew up as a classical piano player, so I went to a lot of symphony and the symphony has gone from being a pretty stodgy environment to one that is much more open. And I mean, even in the 10 years or so that I've been going to San Diego symphony concerts, you are now allowed to carry a plastic cup. It's plastic, it's not glass, but to carry a plastic cup with your gin and tonic, right? Back into the auditorium. And it's just like this level of welcoming that's slowly dawning on the classical world, right? We want to be more open in this way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, part of what I do is to help veterans attend the, the symphony. And oh, that's so the, cool. I didn't know that. You know, I, I get this question all the time. So like, what should I wear? The symphony <laughs> has this sort of white tie thing. About Dress code. It, right? Yeah. And, and we don't anymore. You know, that's not a part of it. So there, the welcoming nature of music is also sort of opening up in a way that allows people to experience it more authentically, like mm. more like myself. I don't have to, you know, put on a suit and a tie to go. I can, I can show up as me and, you know, sit in the back if I want and, and just sort of absorb what's happening without this in need to be on stage, you know, like to show up and, and be part of the whole red carpet thing that yeah. still is there in symphony and opera, but less now, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it reminds me of, there's been some shows I've seen where I remember once I was seeing a, an amazing violinist, Daniel Hope, and uh, he was playing in Toronto at Roy Thompson Hall, which is, you know, probably the, the go-to classical, you know, hoity-toity venue in, in Canada, in Toronto. And, uh, <laughs> and it, the crowd very much was like, you're describing more of the traditional classical tr crowd and uh, yeah. very up, up, upper class, you know, kind of, um, vibe so to speak and here i am i'm i'm a huge fan of this guy and i just love love his music like i love um you know <laughs> any rock band basically like it, it's on that same yeah. level so to hear him and he was playing a couple of vivaldi's pieces too which i was just i was thrilled that he threw some of those in there and um anyway i was i was such a fan <laughs> that i couldn't help myself during the show and i would be like woohoo or you know i, I yeah. would be i would be wanting to cheer and clap and and for those of you who haven't experienced classical concerts, there's a very, during the music, you can't make any noise. It's like, and, and to a level that I, I respect that to a degree where it's like, we're here to listen. I, I get that. But I, I, as a performer, if I'm doing something and I, you know, I do a cool little flourish on my, my, my piano or something and someone in the audience goes like, yeah, like, cause it, they love that. I'm like, great. Like keep that. I want the, I love that response. So I, I was the only one. I got so many dirty looks, but I was I was clapping, I was hooting and hollering. I, I couldn't I help myself, and I and I saw Daniel Hope on stage, and I knew he loved it. <laughs> yeah, he loved it. I could see that. He's like, all right, <laughs> some some energy here, because otherwise, you're like, is the crowd dead? Like, is there anyone alive here? <laughs> so much of the time, right? Much of the time. I'm yeah. glad to hear that it's changing. That that's reassuring. <laughs> it is reassuring, and it's still um, it's still a difficult place to navigate. Yeah. But there's a way to do this. So um, over the course of the last year or so, have you heard of the organization called Fever? No. I, I think it's out of France. They produce concerts worldwide, just all over the place. And 
the classical concerts that they produced are always, always done in the kind of, kind of environment that you described as being in Spain. They're uh, done in, a, in an intentional environment, not mm. just some concert hall or not some auditorium, but in a church or um, they haven't done any outdoors yet, but I can see them coming to like, you know, intimate parks, outdoor venues, but most of them for classical reasons are in churches. So that's a smaller location than the multi-hundred seat, you know, concert hall. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's more intimate on purpose. And the idea is for people who are there to have an intimate experience of the music. So it could be classical, it could be, you know, whatever, but it's opening up the, the uh, no, it's not opening it up at all. It's, it's shortening the distance between the performers and the audience. Yes. Right? So yeah. you feel like you're there with musicians who are performing for you instead of they're up on stage, like on the right. other side of the proscenium. Right. Got right? you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're there with them. And um, I know they're doing all kinds of concerts. A buddy of mine's going to a, like a rock concert that's being played by a string quartet. Oh, wow. Which wow. is like, okay, that's cool. So, that's so cool. <laughs> the idea behind Fever is to do this. And I think that the branding is Candlelight Concerts. If you see that anywhere, if you're listening to this, you've seen Candlelight Concerts advertised on social media, mostly Facebook, but sometimes Instagram. Um, that's the idea. And that, for me, is marvelous. Because there you get to go and have a very intimate experience um, of perhaps the same music that would be a much different experience if it were in a concert hall mm. versus in a, a chapel wow. you know, or a library setting. I mean, there, there's amazing places for this. And of course they do lighting. They're called candlelight concerts on purpose because they often have, you know, live candles all over the cool. place. So there's an attempt to make the intention and the experience much more um, holistic mm. than the sort of separateness we get in a concert hall. I like that a lot. Like that, that's, I think we're returning, great. we're returning to what music, you know, used to be all about, which is inclusive to our roots. Yeah. And if you look, you know, you look at the last hundred years or even hundred and two hundred years of music and, 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 and it kind of is an example of how we've been as a species where we've been so for the last couple hundred years, uh, especially like really in our ego, really mm -hmm. in the material world. Um, we've, we've almost let go completely of spirituality and we're, we're rediscovering that, coming back to that now, which is great. But <clears throat> we've let go of that. We're, we went all into science, all into the left brain, all into like sort of the patriarchal slash, you know, all, all that, that, that masculine-minded way of living, which is fine if it's balanced with the feminine, but when it's only one thing, just like either end, it's not, it's unbalanced and, you know, war and other things like that end up happening. And it's funny when you look at the way musical performances have been, where it's the the stage, which is very separate from the audience, and and that's what it was. And so we would. What happens too is we end up kind of, in a way, worshiping these performers, or or there's a separation where they're like, you're on stage and you're kind of like treated like this godly entity, you know. And I've felt that feeling being on stage, and it's fun um, to a degree, of course. I mean, what person doesn't like feeling that <laughs> sense of kind of almost power that you have on stage? Um, but then what you're, what you're missing is that connection that we're, we're, we're really not any different though. At the same time, just because I'm a musician doesn't, you know, make me, I'm still a human and we're all still human and we can connect on that level. And when you have the stage kind of put aside and 
the, the, music, the musicians are on the same sort of floor like you would be in a church, right? Where you've got the pews mm -hmm. and then a little further ahead is like the open space where the performers can sit and perform. You're much more in an intimate setting. You're on the same level, literally on the same level. And I feel like you connect differently. I'm not going to say it's better or worse, maybe, but it's, you're going to connect in a different way, in a much more intimate way. Um, and I think that's a really great idea, especially with that kind of music and, and lighting it with candles. I mean, that's a very, yeah, much more holistic and much more sacred kind of yeah, uh, way of, of approaching. It's a, got a, it's a much more sacred way of treating music and musical concerts because that's another thing too. It's, it's always been entertainment for the last, whatever, 100, 200 years is music really just went full blown entertainment. That's all music is, is to entertain you. It's not to heal. It's not to help expand or it's not to help a million other things that, that music we know can do. And now, uh, and now we're realizing that again, I think, with these kind of concerts. That's really cool. I didn't know about Isn't that, that cool? uh, organization. Yeah. And, and why not? Whoever came up with the idea, um, kudos, because yeah. we've wanted that. I mean, every time you go to a jazz club or a small a singer-songwriter kind of a thing or whatever, that's the idea that they're trying to bring to the concert stage. And I love the idea. I, I don't know how many jazz like small trio kind of things I've been to where they're playing in a restaurant or something. I just go every week because the trio is so amazing so and good. you develop a dialogue, you know, with the band as they're playing. And it's, it's not like you're ignoring them um, or it's not like you're being disrespectful to say, yeah, you know, when somebody plays a cool, absolutely, it's so amazing. And especially the improvisational environment, uh, that's just, it's a different kind of church, you know, than the symphony which is a much more formal, you know, iteration of that. It's all healing. It is. If, if you love jazz, you're in the jazz club. If you love Beethoven, you're in the, at the symphony hall. It, who cares? Well, you it know, goes back, it goes back it. to what you like. Sorry to interrupt you, Bill. It, yeah, it, sounds, no, that's it goes back to what you prefer, right? It goes back to what you prefer, right? Yeah. And fortunately with music, I mean, we have this amazing opportunity now, which is so cool that you're doing online stuff because you don't even have to leave your house and you can hear any number of on, on any day of the week, amazing concerts by like top 40 bands, if you want to, mm -hmm. or non top 40 bands, if you want to bands in town, you guys have bands in town in Canada. You yeah, might do. Yeah. Right? So yeah. that's a great way of, of plugging into streaming music. Mm -hmm. Or if you're lucky enough to know the musician, right. Then you get this personal invitation, come to my mm -hmm. concert and you don't really have to show up at all. You just, like stream it and you're there and computer. you can support yeah. the musician and you get the incredible yeah. effects. Or if you're experimenting, trying to figure out what music is working for you in a given place, um, all from the comfort of your own, you know, easy chair at home or whatever, yep. you can be there in person, up close and personal. This is a weird question, probably one that may not be fair to ask, but if you thought of interacting with your audience at all during the live stream, it's, they have a way of talking to you, or yeah, with the the musical journeys. The only way I'm going to incorporate the bit of interaction will be after the journey, where we can share a little bit about what our experiences was. So it opens people up to to not only share, but I find one of the things I love about in person concerts is everyone after the show mingles and talks and chats. Yeah, and sometimes yeah. you you know friendships or relationships or whatever have come from these nice little interactions after the fact. So I definitely have an opening a little bit like five minutes, you know, before and about five, 10 minutes after 
uh, for people to 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 share. And it's not ob it's not obli uh, obligation, but it's it's there for people to have that option. Otherwise, I will be guiding people with my voice through it a little bit. You know, I'll be singing a little bit. I'll be doing minimal sort of verbal guidance and mostly sonic musical guidance throughout the whole um, meditation, which is also themed each time. So you have like a theme that you're running with, but I am learn I am open-minded and trying to develop more ways to do interactions online. Because for example, one of the things I want to recreate somehow, and I don't know how to do this yet because so far, technically, I don't know if you can, but when I'm doing my in-person concerts, I love doing more sing-alongs, right? Because mm -hmm. people, man, do people need to sing more and we are so, especially in the Western world, we are so scared to just sing. It's funny. People are like, I've talked to my dad about these. He's, he's a great example. He's the first to admit it to, which I give him a lot of credit for. But he's like, I, he's terrified to sing. He's just, he's like, I just, you know, even on his own, like, I'm sure he'll hum a tune maybe on his own. But even then I can tell he's probably a little like, oh, I don't know if the neighbors, you know, I don't want them to hear that. And and that's fair because I know he's he's representing a large, large, large group of people. And so when I'm doing in-person things, what I do now is I'll even, if I'm doing a cover song, I'll still add in sometimes extra lyrics that are super easy to sing along, or I'll just, I'll be playing like almost an affirmation and like, I'll get people yeah. to repeat that, right? Let's just do a call and response sing along. And if I could figure out a way to do that online, that would be amazing. I don't know how, because of the, the technicalities with Zoom and, and the leg of Wi-Fi, and I, I, you have no guarantee of what other people's setup is like on their end. So I don't, I don't have any other ways to interact. And those of you listening, if anyone has figured out more interactive ways uh, to engage with people online, I would love to hear that because I think that's what we're really working on right now. Not to ever, ever, ever get rid of in-person, ever. But what I'm learning is that there's a benefit. Online has its own niche. It has its own benefit. Yeah. Just like in-person has its own benefit. So I'm trying to learn what works best with what world or what medium, you know? I'm thinking to myself as you're talking, wouldn't it be great to have, you know, there's the chat we can all type into, but if there was some way that an assistant even could read back the chat into your headphones as you're playing, so you can get real-time feedback or near real-time feedback from, yeah. from the chat, you know, audio, um, that would be interesting to me because... Hmm. If I'm playing something, and this is this always happens, if I'm playing something that somebody in the audience doesn't like, I mean, hello, that's part of the job. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have to say that, yeah. <laughs> you know, it might be nice to know why. Mm -hmm. And and something more intelligent than I don't like Bach. You know, I'm I'm not a big fan. Bach's hard. Yeah. It's not really close to my heart compared to Chopin or something, right? So I'm, it's just not me. But it'd be nice to hear from somebody in the audience exactly what it is that, they've, that they're taking in at that moment, right? And somehow have that live, in-the-moment feedback. Wouldn't that be amazing for, music, for musicians to have that? Yeah. I mean, that would be that, – because that's what you're missing from the in-person is that feedback. It's like a feedback loop. The yeah, audience. the feedback, and you only get it when this when the song stops. Before the next one, you get some feedback. Yeah, you know, and it, yeah. it's either a wild applause or a dead room. How do you navigate through that? Right? <laughs> what did I just do here? <laughs> I know it's the end. The musicians, uh, you know, uh, the challenge that we always face. I think is 
just trying Truly. to monitor that, right? <laughs> and and you know the uh, the opportunity is to play stuff that people love. So theoretically, anyway, if you invite people to your concert, they know something about you, and they're eager to hear the music that you have for them. Best best possible situation. Yeah. Is it real? In real life? Yeah, kind of. Maybe half the room sometimes. But there's always people who are there because you know their girlfriend or husband or whatever yeah. brought them. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh, you're gonna love this, Bill. Trust me, right? And we go, and it's and uh, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and that's hit or miss. And, and there's nowhere to, know? right? But but even that energy is good energy, right? It's energy, and I, I love knowing what what problems people are having with the music I'm playing. If for no other reason, then it helps me to guide the next time. But if you had it in real time, you could almost start like a dialogue. Mm. And compose something up from scratch. You know, start with a single note. What are people thinking? That's boring, Bill. Play more. You know, I like that even, I take that to another level because uh, my meditation, these these meditation journeys are also very highly like 90, 95% improvised. But then Mm -hmm. take that maybe into a different style of a show and make it more an audience. Like, for example, the the TV show, Whose Line Is It Anyway? It's one of my favorite. Right. Uh, TV shows. It's an improv show for those listening. And it's essentially a show that could probably air forever because there's no script. It's all amazing comedic actors um, improvising, you know, scenes. And they, they have a variety of ways of generating different scenes and different scenarios and doing the musical equivalent of that in a show. You know, there's many times in whose lines and anywhere where they shout out to the audience for suggestions on a topic or a theme or whatever. And could you not do the same thing with music if you figure out this live feedback thing online to then have, I'm playing something. And like you said, I could get the message in my ear from my assistant or something while I'm playing and that, Oh, we have a comment saying, can you play something? Uh, can you add in a beat now? I really would love to dance to this or something. Oh, okay. right. Yes. Did you, you know, and then yeah. you, get, you, you let the audience almost like, how cool would that be? Like you obviously have to <laughs> like with anything, gauge this, you know, and, and have some sort of like cool idea. Musically speaking as a musician here, I know that's not going to work really great. So I won't do that. Maybe I'll do something slightly different, but to at least have that influence from your audience and to know that, and for them to know when they buy that ticket to go to that event, that they're going to be a part of the music creation. That's really yes. cool. I love Isn't that. Isn't that cool? Idea. Great. Idea. I'd love that. <laughs> especially, uh, you know, especially if I was there for with a healing need. Yeah. You know, yeah. I might show up and say, well, I, this is how I'm feeling right now. And with your knowledge of binaural beats, you'd say, oh, okay, well, based on the way Bill is, is feeling right now, I'm going to use this. Uh, what are we calling binaurals? Tempo? It's almost like a, a, a the, it's like I'll use this brain wave almost. Or brain wave. I, okay. Yeah, so, yeah. You know. so, so, so you'd select a brain wave that would be more appropriate for whatever my needs were. Yeah. Versus a brainwave that you know might interfere, you mm. know, with what my needs are. Science can help us, you know, guide those sorts of things. Uh, it's it's almost like having a big knob that's you know like a volume knob on your desk with these binaurals. You turn it I mean, down, you turn it up, and and whichever one you choose, or whichever ones of them you choose, are yeah, uh, theoretically anyway, how we're supposed to respond. I love that. But even that, you know, <laughs> I respond differently to binaurals than Chris does. So. Uh, you know, like with anything, you know, in the arts in general, uh, you're never going to please everybody. And you also have to come back to that, uh, discernment from yourself, you know, and, and 
ultimately, I think you always still want to create something that you personally enjoy as well. Um, not just going to do it purely for what someone else requests. As a musician, you also have to use your bit of temperament, I think, and um, still always make it authentic to who you are. But I love that. That'd be a really cool way to uh, to create. It's a great idea. Sitting on the bench, it's really a lonely place because you have no idea who's out there. And you can try to hit as much of the spectrum as you can, but you're always going to be leaving something out because there just isn't time to hit it all, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I'm um, in a project right now where we're doing West Indian music. Mm. And West Indian music, if you unpack it, has like, I don't know, 50 different genres. Wow. And then within those, there's cultural genres that expand out of that. And so this West Indian music is like this melting pot of all kinds of stuff, probably hundreds of different styles. Wow. And uh, how do you choose? You know, and, and who do you know who's in the room? Because somebody might be in the room from Haiti who won't get anything out of your stuff if you're only playing reggae. Right. Right. And vice versa. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's, a, that's a thing, right? That's real. And it's, a, it's more real even than the differences in classical music, of which there are some, but there aren't hundreds. I yeah. mean, not at that level. And uh, I mean, think about with jazz even too. There's so many styles of jazz. Same mm-hmm. kind of thing there. And with healing music, wow, we've got all kinds of healing music. Oh you could have a it's healing endless. from all kinds of things. How many things are there to be healed from? There's probably music for all of that. So, oh, yeah. you know, if science is saying, well, this is the music to use, I'm like, well, for what? Yeah. <laughs> it's a little presumptuous. <laughs> but it's a step forward, right? But it we is a step forward. And, and especially if you're going uh, to take responsibility and guide people. Now, that's a d- whole different thing because not only are you offering them a musical soundscape in which they can immerse themselves. You've got to hope that the guidance you're giving them is taking them through that soundscape in a way that is meaningful for them. Mm. Right. It's definitely and, the hope. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we hope that right. And, and more or less, it always works except when you have an outlier in the room mm. and as musicians, believe it or not, we're kind of actually taught to ignore the outliers, yeah. which seems bas- backwards to me. I mean, the outliers are where the juice is. Who so cares about the- what everybody knows? That under the, the big curve, that's the commercial part. Everybody will buy that, right? But the mm-hmm. outliers are the ones who are pushing the envelope. And I'd love to know what that person's thinking, you know? Yeah, a little more if innovation. Not- one more innovation. Um, electro, uh, what are those skulls? Those skull caps? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. If everybody in the room were wearing a skull cap or remotely or whatever, and then the feed was coming back and you could see a visual of what the audience's Brains. brain waves look like yeah. in real time. <laughs> wow. There's an experiment right? we got to try. Right? There's an experiment. And you could probably do something like that uh, in real time with technology without it being too crazy. But wouldn't that be cool? That would be so cool. To, to look inside your audience's brains. <laughs> and see what their response is. And then they could get a printout or something after the show and be like, okay, this is where your brain started and this is where it, it, you ended. Or this is the. Oh, know, man. When that get me trip. started. That's golden right there. Yeah, that is actually like, that's amazing. People would sign up for that even if they didn't care about science, just to see what's going on. <laughs> I know. I know. I'd sign up for that. It sounds awesome. <laughs> but you know, that rabbit hole is deep because then you could say, uh, we're going to do this in worship now and, and we're going to do it. You know, all of a sudden, everybody's wearing their skull. This is this is what meta is all about. 
the virtual reality that yeah. Yeah, 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 Zuckerberg's yeah. thinking about right now includes this kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh my gosh, you guys, all I want to do is make music. <laughs> <laughs> to hell with this virtual reality craziness. Um, Although, yeah. you know, and we welcome it. Because binaurals, right? Binaurals work because you can create a difference in the phase between one ear and the other. And uh, it's just very difficult to do that in a room. Yeah. But I mean, with, with headphones, it's easy. Yeah. I'm like, you know, there's ways I've thought about maybe tweaking that, but uh, ultimately it's still the easiest just to do it at home, um, which is why, again, it works really well with the online kind of place. So, you know, and, and for, that's the thing too. I think for those of you listening, you know, we're in this kind of hybrid world craziness right now where we really are blending and, and we're, we're learning what we've liked from the, what we've learned from the pandemic over the last two years. Yeah. Yeah. In terms what we of, like. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, there's certain aspects where I'm like, okay, there's a lot of things of zoom. I do really appreciate. And there's a lot of elements of this more online video conferencing kind of world that I, I really, really appreciate. I really do. And then there's other sides that we've all learned about like, you know, screen fatigue and zoom fatigue and, piling on too many events and you're just feeling overwhelmed and uh, just because you're at home doesn't mean you can still do 18 meetings in a day or something. So, you know, we've, we've kind of been learning this. And so it's nice to kind of come out now and say, okay, well for the online events, this is really what we want to be doing. And binaural beats, for example, are a great way to, you know, what you can't really listen to them in person. So we may as well do this one online. And then yeah. again, like you said, this the brain scanning, experiment that might have to be in person <laughs> you know and you just kind of figure it out from there <laughs> they have this great visual of an audience all with their heads stuck in a functional mri right yeah <laughs> forget Z- about seeing it well maybe there's a screen in there and we can see that but yeah so cool <laughs> that is so cool and then it's you can so cool. so you okay can so, so yeah go ahead science science is trying to do its job so come for the science and stay for the feeling if you really love something, that's amazing. It's easy. But if you're on the fence and the question is, do I go to Chris's concert or Bill's concert, right? It's like that, right? So where do I think I'm going to fit better? You don't have any way of, of measuring your, your feeling response yet. Go to the science. Oh, mm. well, Bill's just playing classical music. Well, Chris is doing this stuff with binaural beats. Well, I'm interested in binaural beats. I'm going to go to Chris's concert, right? No, yeah. no offense. It's all good, right? But that's one of the ways in which science can help lead you into something you might love, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, the, the, and then that the, music would become a part of you and, and it would be your power music because you love it now. True. And, and, and the same can be said for just going to see a classical show. And if you look into the science, like you can see that classical music gets played in greenhouses and plants grow more. And so it shows that there is still organic growth uh, that is stimulated by classical music. So maybe that's more what you're going for. And because of the science, you go to Bill's concert and it's just like, it doesn't, it, it, like we've been saying, I think the real moral of this podcast is it does come back to your preference and to honor that, to honor what you like, what you appreciate. So when you're going out to seek other forms of healing music, you you yourself are still the ultimate GPS. You're the, you're the ultimate yes. you know, guidance it. system, right? Yes. And True. so trust yourself. Trust your instincts. Trust what feels good for you and what intrigues you, you know, and, and really go with that. It's not like we're dealing with really intensive medicine here where if you're off by a little bit, you could really screw yourself over here. This is a much more uh, easygoing and experimental sort of space where you can really have a lot of freedom to play around 
and see what what feels good for you, what doesn't feel good for you. You're not really going to make a wrong choice. You're just going to yeah. have a have a maybe less effective um, situation than another. So it comes down to you, really, at the end of the day. I love that people are getting more uh, spooled up on how music works on us. Mm-hmm. That's one of the great effects of having neuroscience so involved with it. Big time. And it's it's not just what they call anecdotal evidence anymore. There's actual we can track this. They haven't they haven't told us yet though, Chris. What's good for us? Have you noticed that? Well, you know <laughs> the problem if you, if music and sound really start to become these healing modalities is man, that's hard to sell, you know, and uh, and I mean sell in terms of a pill format and a pharmaceutical format. So that is a realistic, that's, I don't think, I mean, that's that's a very logical conclusion I think people can come to is, you know, th- why does not all of this stuff come out right now? It's because there's a there is an industry economic threat to new alternative um, modalities coming out because they don't uh, either make as much money or they replace other pharmaceuticals that, of course, um, they want to make. But I would like to think in a sort of this new age of consciousness that we're in now that even some of the new people going into these pharmaceuticals who maybe actually truly just want to help people and not just make profit. And I believe that they're out there as much as I love to slam big pharma um, as an entity. I think there's a lot of really wonderful people in the pharmaceutical industries that genuinely are there to help people and they're there to heal people. And they're just working in a very difficult, you know, like system. But because they're there and because we're all shifting and waking up and, and, you know, really coming to understand that we are a collaborative community-based species, then uh, we'll start to look out of profit and we'll start to look at different ways to profit. And, you know, pharmaceuticals could shift into merging with people like us, for example, to create these amazing experiences and still make money just in different ways just in different ways that that help people in a much more holistic long-term way of course um and i think that's the new world we're living in because i feel personally this is definitely a feeling but i really feel personally that we're moving into a, a world where our vibration is the currency and what i mean by vibration is it's like our our connection is the currency you know it's like the feeling is the currency it's not how much money did I make off by any means necessary? Who cares how many people we screw over? That's the old mentality that we're moving out of. Now it's more of a community and, and collaborative mentality where it's like, well, I want to make money, sure, but I'd like to do it, you know, in something that actually helps and not destroys. <laughs> right? Right? That's a huge insight, I think, right there. Like our... our yeah, we have money. That exchange is also being joined by other means of exchange. And the exchange of vibration mm. is a really good one. Uh, perhaps that's a not a very skillful word, but I get what you're saying about that. Like we're being energy, very careful be now. Word, energy, you know. yeah, change of energy. So it's hanging out with people that 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 where we feel good. Yep. As opposed to hanging out with people where we don't feel good. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, the paradigm was we go to work even if we don't feel good around those people because it pays the bills. Exactly. Money always and wins the, out no matter what. And, and, you know, okay, great. I've been part of that. But it's shifting now because people are saying, I don't have to work in an environment like that. You know, I can still do my job and I don't have to work around an energy that, that taxes me. 
That's a cool form of exchange. And, and I love what you're saying about it, because vibrationally with music, musicians have always done that. <laughs> yeah. You know, we've always played for people who get our vibration. Mm -hmm. And people who get our vibration have always wanted to be around us. And guess, like, guess what they say usually? They say about your music usually afterwards, the show or something, like, man, man, I really like your vibe. <laughs> yeah, it's a cool vibe. What do, you, what do you think that really means? It's, I like your vibration. I like the frequency yeah. that you're emitting. You know, like this, I really gravitate toward I resonate with this. Like, that's what, we're, that's what we've been saying all along. People have said, I didn't like the vibe that this guy gave, or the, I went to this really weird restaurant. The vibe was really off. There's something. Yeah. We've, we say that all the time. It's vibration. That's all we're saying. We don't even know yeah. it, but we, but we do subconsciously. Our, um, our non-scientific sensors or the sensors that science can't tell us that we have yet yeah. exactly. <laughs> are actively engaged. And that's, those, are the most, those are the best ones. The feeling, whatever you're calling it, right? Those are the best ones to use. Because if you can find music that you vibe with mm. and you find somebody who's playing that music, that's like the best possible moment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we're, you know, it's the lifelong journey. We're all music hunters trying to nail it down to the three or 4,000 songs that we love. Yeah. <laughs> I know there's so many. <laughs> yeah. I know. Just try to make a top 40 list anymore. Like the top 40 songs in your life. And it's like a total no. roadblock for I many can't. of us. I can't. <laughs> I can't. It's hard. There's too many. Yeah. So, okay. So let's be, um, I, it's, it's, this probably won't air until after the concerts are done, but what's your intention with the concerts you're going to be doing online, just so listeners know, even if we can't hit the exact dates? Well, they're going to be going on indefinitely. Uh, what I've been feeling is they're, um, this is really something I'm, I'm really excited to be doing on a much more permanent basis. And I'm also working with more people on collaborations, like doing a, you know, live music with yoga or, or things of that nature. So, um, yeah, I mean, in these, uh, for those listening as well, the discussions, you know, Bill and myself, when we have things coming up, you can always check out in the description of this, uh, all the links to that. My intention with my online shows is to really create like a sonic container for people to be able to move through or expand where they need to. Um, I don't, I, I have a, a theme for each one, the, the one that's coming up. Um, this week for me on Wednesday is the theme is letting go. Um, but that's, a, I, I'm trying to keep the themes very broad because letting go is so, so different for everybody. And that's good. I don't want to get too, too specific because I want it to be more accessible for, for people. And even if it's not an intention you want, I think you can come into these things. And what I'm, like I said, I'm trying to create a container and the beauty of the online thing is you have your, 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 your privacy and your safe space wherever you are. And then the music and the sound with a bit of minimal verbal guidance for myself is to just kind of support whatever you need to go through. And then, and then also accentuate the, the frequencies that are going to help you get there. So for letting go, you know, I'll be using more binaural beats that have uh, maybe start in a alpha wave, which is meditative, but still higher, a higher level brainwave state. So you're a bit more alert uh, and it can, it's actually really helpful for visualization and things like that. So that'll be the beginning. And then I'll, I'll be guiding people into a more deeper state of, of meditation, which might bring you down to a theta wave, for example. Um, and so I'd be using binaural beats to do that. So yeah, it's like the intention is to certainly use sound and the science and, and the music to help guide people through a healing and expansive journey, but it's also to create a safe container that allows people 
to go where they need to go uh, in a metaphorical sense. You know, like if, you know, if you got to, again, let loose, you got to cry, you got to burp, you got to yawn, you got to literally sit up and, and shake and dance and move your body, even though the music is very, very mellow and, and atmospheric, go for it. Like that's part of the thing I'll say at the beginning of the shows is like, I really encourage people to just let, let everything out that you got to let out. We, yeah, uh, yeah. we really bottle ourselves in, in our society and man, does it feel good to just <laughs> whatever comes out, let it out, you know? And I'm just going to guess that the, the in-person live events could be the same kind of thing. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they're just different. To see one of those. But... Oh yeah. Well, I mean, those are more to come for sure. And, and I'm excited for yeah. those. And, and I think when people are in person, whether it's my show or, or another you know, person that's leading these kind of sound healing journeys is you feel all everyone else going through what they're going through, not necessarily in a detailed way, but you feel it's a sense of camaraderie. You really do feel like, yeah. look, we're, we're all going through our own crap always. And instead of feeling so isolated from that, when you're in an in-person event, the positive, in my opinion, is that you see the community. You see, oh my God, everyone's going through <laughs> what I'm going through just in a slightly different modality. And when you can sometimes share afterwards those that, are, that feel comfortable sharing, you know, that can help too when you hear like what they're, they're going through. And you're like, wow, so similar yet so different to what I'm going through. And, and that, that, that really helps people feel like they're not going crazy you know, and, and that, that sense of communities, you can't, you can't make that any other way. So that's, that's the beauty of the in-person situation. The loveliness of doing that together isn't lost on me. It happens every time there's music somewhere. Yeah. You know, if you're, sure. if you're alive to that, you can pick it up. But I think the intention and bringing that intention right up to the front of it and saying, this is what we're here for just gives people such safety and, and a sense of camaraderie at the start of it that by the end and music of course is music brings us together so mm. not only does music bring us together in terms of enjoyment brings us together in terms of process too and offering that journey to people like right up front this is what we're going to do that's so powerful man that is so powerful thank you i'm i'm excited and there's a bit of fear in me and it's good fear it's like a, that excitement where you're pushing boundaries and you're trying something very, very new because this is very yeah. new for me. And, um, but it feels so in alignment and feels like something I really need to be doing and got to do it. Got to do it. You know, we, we, we have a role as, as musicians and as creators. And especially right now, I, I feel that, that um, responsibility in a sense to just create whatever I can do on my end to help humanity go yeah. through this rebirth <laughs> that we're going yeah. through which is great and at the same time painful because birth is, it's a process, you know, it's transformation, it's metamorphosis. So um, music is, is so good for just helping you go through that metamorphosis. And, uh, you know, again, listening to some beautiful classical piano or whatever the heck I've been listening to so much Spanish guitar in the morning. I don't even know why it just feels so good. I just do it because it feels good. <laughs> It, it, I'd like to suggest that maybe it doesn't even matter what the music is. No, not really. As long as you <laughs> offer the intention and set the stage and all of that, you could be playing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, you know, and, and the fact that everybody's there for a purpose yeah. 
it, it really wouldn't matter. I mean, it, it would, obviously, it would matter somewhat, right? I, but it I'm doesn't, being, in the same, I, it doesn't, it doesn't. It does, you get it, it doesn't, you know? I completely yeah. understand what you're saying. It, it, it goes back to the intention, so important for, for myself and for the people going into this container. And then that's the thing, it's a container, it's this, um, it's a safe place that you, you really just create that excuse for people to just do what they need to do. And that's what it does. And the music is important, but at the same time, it really could be almost anything. If as long as the intention and the people come in with that intention, then the same kind of thing will happen. Now, I just would argue that with the really awesome music, it's just going to enhance that. Yeah, obviously more. the music is it's got to align somehow, right? Yeah, it does. <laughs> it, it does. But it, but it's important to learn to, to, to really like it's important for me to even to really understand that, that it, it, it yeah. You know, like that's why I'm improvising too a lot of it because I'm like I want to see just what happens in that moment for what needs to be heard in that moment. I, I couldn't possibly right. write something for that, you know. Well, that's your gift, like to be able to channel the inspiration and marry it with the moment in a way that is relevant for people who are there. Mm. You know, and and that's if there's anything that musicians do better than any other thing out there, that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Totally. And, and if we do it well, and, and we try to keep our egos like, you know, off the stage. Definitely. <laughs> the experience can be amazing. Yeah. And, and truly transformative, I think, for the people in the room. I, I, I would love to be there. I would really love to be there. Well, plenty, plenty more. And we'll get, we'll get you some of the ones maybe later. No, in the there'll month be more. And, yeah. And, and I'm loving what you're doing because uh, I can't share this yet, but a project I'm working on is something that is like aligned with this in a different oh, sort of a way, but it just, it feels so good to know that there's a tribe of us out there doing this work right now. There really because is. It's necessary. It's very necessary. It's very necessary. I can't wait to hear what this is. Uh, this sounds really special. And, and, you know, I'm excited because of your, your style and then blending it, like you said, with some other collaborators, for example, the West Indian um, man, if I've experienced anything like with music that is powerful, it's when you get really different genres blended together with classical and West Indian. Like, what is that going to sound yeah, like? What is that's that going to be, be beautiful. It's going to be so cool. I can't wait to hear that. Well, that one is going to be, um, when it happens, that's going to be a live stream. Oh, great. I, what I can say about it is that it's a worship, it's a praise band for a church. Awesome. And they want to take this whole idea of praise band to a different place, completely different place. that's never been done before, just like you're doing with the healing music. So mm. within this, within this very Christian church, there's this movement toward how can we make our music really unique and speak in a new way? Right. It's, it's so cool uh, as a, like sort of a closing note here. Cause I, we, I, I got to run soon, but. Oh um, yeah. Hey, okay, we're running we're, way we're, late on this one. No, it's all good. <laughs> Cause I'm loving this so much. Um, you know, I've been I've been doing a lot of tutorials on on YouTube to enhance my keyboard to make it just more powerful for the meditation specifically uh, events and stuff like that. And it's funny all the time I come across the best tutorials I'm finding for this are all for worship music. Uh, I'm I, I'm not religious. I, I I wasn't raised in any particular religion for those listening, and so I, I don't have any association with any religion. Um, but I find it really interesting that I continually stumble across a lot of worship music, specifically for like more Christian worship music, uh, particularly in North America. And I've been learning from a lot of these worship piano player, keyboard player kind of people who are bestowing all their really amazing, um, basically their information and research from 
when you're playing in a, what I've learned very recently, what, what really worship music is, is it's exactly the same thing I'm trying to create when I'm creating a more psychedelic or a, a real like journey, like a, a musical journey that brings people through like a, 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 you know, like a whole climax and then like come down and like, there's a whole journey that you go on and it's very uplifting and euphoric and you feel that like, holy, wow, wow like there's something has shifted that that's basically worship music. That's kind of what it's trying to do. That's what I'm trying to do. I just don't call it worship music. Cause I don't even, I didn't yeah. really actually familiar with the term until recently. So, you know, it's just different names for, I think everyone's got very similar intentions here. And because of all of our diverse backgrounds, we're coming at it in all these different ways, but for the same outcome and for the same kind of purpose. So cool that we're doing that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I love that. I mean, here we are, sure. all the different corners of the world, just going at this thing that is healing through music. Yeah. There you go. Incredible. <laughs> Thank you for listening in on our conversation and for taking time to show your appreciation with a like, share, or subscribe. Discussions of music, healing, and consciousness is a practice of spontaneity, and we welcome your comments, ideas, and questions. There are ways to connect with us in the show notes, so let us hear from you. Until next time, this is Bill Protzman along with Chris Noble wishing you great musical health. Samara Huchaya. Huchaya.